All right, welcome to the Atomic Skull podcast, you guys. My name is Matt, and I want to get right to it because I had this little story from a month or so ago keep slipping through my crack, and I want to address it right up top before I forget about it yet again. So there was a fourth grade teacher somewhere out there that showed their students 30 minutes of the horror movie Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, before realizing the mistake and turning it off, which we'll get to the finer points of that in just a minute. The good news, because sometimes you need to dig to find a silver lining, is that the students all got mental health counseling about it. But I'm sorry to say, the first thing that entered my mind when I read that story was that my fucking mother made me watch the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie when I was seven years old. And like, not on accident either. It wasn't like she was watching and I happened to sit down and catch it. It was a whole ass event. She went to the video store and rented the fucking thing, brought it home, sat me on the couch with her. And I spent the following 90 minutes trying to find innovative ways to not piss my pants. And... Truth be told, you guys, I don't think I've had a decent night of sleep since. Where's my mental health counseling? Venmo.com slash Atomic Skull Podcast. If you want to donate to my mental health counseling fund, I have a lot of problems I would love to talk to a very nice steakhouse about. One of the stupid little one-liners that I tell people all the time is that, quote, I had a very different childhood than you did, end quote. The details of which I definitely do not want to get to in this episode. We can crack that trauma brewski open for the Patreon. But one little piece of context that I will give you is I have never in my life watched a full episode of Sesame Street, but I saw five Freddy Krueger movies by the time I was 12. Now, after part two, I will admit They were pretty much fucking comedy, but that's not remotely the point. And as a little bonus childhood awesomeness, now that I'm thinking about it, my grandmother took me to see Fatal Attraction in the theater, if you can believe that. I was a fetus, and I remember asking my grandma why Glenn Close was boiling that pet rabbit that I think was decapitated. And her pretty much verbatim response was because she's in love with him and she's crazy, which that one moment right there, I mean, pretty much shaped my taste in women throughout my entire 20s and 30s. As far as those fourth graders are concerned, the teacher let the kids pick what movie they wanted to watch. Why would you let kids that age make a decision about anything. When I was in fourth grade, if left completely to my own devices, you would catch me in my tidy whities watching Debbie Does Dallas while crushing up Oreo cookies and snorting them like a diabetic Charlie Sheen. I don't mean to be old at you here, but when I was in school, and I mean, let's call it like it is, when the teachers were hungover and put something on TV, like you know the teacher had an extra tough night when you walked in the classroom and the lights were already off 
but the TV was on. Whenever any teacher I had would put something on TV for the class to watch, we didn't even have the illusion of choice. Fucking Schoolhouse Rock. That was it. I vaguely remember after-school specials where boys with gumption were hanging out with the wrong crowd, but it is burned into my DNA that a conjunction's function is hooking up words and phrases and clauses. And if you're singing that in your head now, apparently you had a hungover teacher problem too. But here's my thing. How fucking hungover was this fourth grade teacher that a movie with blood and honey in the title slid through? Like the teacher saw the words blood and honey, but read the words gin and tonic. The second thought I had about a part of that movie being shown in a classroom, and please forgive me if I get a little too blue here, is that's probably the least awful bad thing I've read about happening in a school lately. Not saying that anyone should be let off the hook about it, but when I read a headline about fourth grade students needing counseling after an incident in a classroom, I think my heart and my b-hole switch places for a second. And then when I actually read the article, I was slightly relieved, which is a fucking terrible thing to say, but that's the world we live in. Um, speaking of the world we live in, and I have to say I'm more than a little bit shifty-eyed about this whole thing, but... I have to give the worst of the week this week to Snoop Dogg quitting the ganj. I don't want to get too into that part specifically because at best it's some sort of prank or something or at worst there is some sort of health issue. But I'm utterly beside myself about the idea of Snoop giving up weed. What's next? Is 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 is, is DiCaprio going to stop fucking 24-year-olds? Is Kanye going to say something reasonable in an interview? Is Elon Musk going to be likable? <laughs> Are we going to find out Shelly Miscavige is alive? See what I did there, you guys? I took that comedy rule of three and I fucked it up and I did four. That's the kind of dangerous times we live in these days. For her best of the week, I want to shout out an actor who I fucking love, who I've always fucking loved, who you love, for always just sort of being awesome. And that's Kevin Bacon. What I love about Kevin Bacon is that he has a few legitimately solid movies under his belt, but also motherfucker doesn't take himself seriously at all and doesn't mind being funny and ridiculous when the situation calls for it. Tremors, Stir of Echoes, Wild Things, all solid, good Kevin Bacon flicks. But the reason I'm giving him the best of the week this week is because Kevin posted a video on Instagram recreating the Footloose dance to celebrate the sag after strike ending. Obviously, Footloose is his crown jewel. And I love that every decade or so, he finds an occasion to dust off the dance and bring it back to the masses, as if we've forgotten. Still pretty cool, though. And in this video, he's doing the dance while wearing cowboy boots. What a chameleon. As a bonus favorite thing ever, I read in a few different articles that whenever Kevin Bacon goes to weddings, he tips the DJ a C-note to not play the Footloose song under any circumstances. Also pretty funny and cool. 
All right, for this week's embarrassing music payback segment, gotta make sure that I'm giving everyone their money's worth. So this one is going to be an entire album, minus one song, okay? And I still stand behind it as one of the best and most underrated albums of all time, but I'm not as fervently a supporter of this band as I was when the album came out in 2002. Warm up a syphilis shot, because we are going to talk about Maroon 5. Hear me out. Songs About Jane, which was, I think, their second major label album, and it was the one that blew them up, is a funky, poppy masterpiece. Think Stevie Wonder on guitar-flavored steroids. Those dudes came out of nowhere. And when I heard Harder to Breathe, I was floored. And then This Love and She Will Be Loved were both landmark singles for the early 2000s. I was working at the record store then, and I would tell any customer looking for something new to listen to that they should check this band out. I guaranteed people who bought the album that the band was going to have a future, and they did. But they and their sound definitely did not go the direction that I thought it would. When I think of the song Not Coming Home, which I'm pretty sure is the last song off of Songs About Jane, and I still stand by it as a fucking amazing tune, and then I think of the song Sugar, I cannot fathom the idea that those two are the same band, and I do not mean that in a good way. My opinion allegedly, is that Maroon 5 started with the right idea. Kind of like Kid Rock. The influences were there. The hunger was there. The credibility and the talent was there. But as soon as some money started rolling in, the whole thing just became about pussy. And I hate that shit. I get it. I get it. But I hate it. So that whole album... Besides the song Not Coming Home, is all going to count towards your guys' generosity. And thankfully, we are somewhat making our way towards the end of that whole turkey. And I am so excited to be able to put it to bed because, as little shame as I have, it still does exist somewhere. From the Dildo Chronicles this week. So when I worked at Best Buy. There were very few things I was better at than ruining holidays. Let me explain. I couldn't even tell you how many times I personally have been accused of ruining someone's Christmas because the company that I work for didn't have the year's most popular item in stock at 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Everyone who has worked in retail during the holidays has a story like that. The first few times someone said that to me, I obviously thought it was misplaced anger, but I also genuinely kind of felt bad. And then I started thinking to myself, what a shitty thing to say to a stranger. And then that morphed into, how does not having a gift ruin your Christmas? And then... After like the 15th time, not hyperbole, it happens often, I just started laughing about it. When I thought about the things that excited me most about leaving Best Buy, and there were many, not having to hear shitty things like that from strangers was near the top of the list. You wouldn't think 
there's a version of that at the dildo store, right? Well, this is where them young Halloween hoes come in. And I'm not talking shit about those girls. God bless them. But here they come the Saturday before Halloween, which is when adults celebrate the holiday. They are coming in the day of their big-ass Halloween rager looking for the exact same slutty costume that every other girl that looks just like them has been coming in looking for in the last two weeks. So, of course, we are sold out. One girl literally came in saying she was on the way to a costume party and didn't have a costume, thinking she could just show up and we'll have everything in stock simply because it was something she needed. And all these girls are getting mad at me personally, your friendly neighborhood dildo salesman, for not having white bloomers in size girl dinner. Despite my true best efforts, the level of hatred that I have for people continues to rise. Not you guys, though. You guys are great. Now, you remember the whole Marvel Ho Alert thing, right? Well, it turns out I have one of those this week. I know I'm just as shocked as you are. I got to go see the Marvels and... If you guys could please just give me a second to be nerdy because I need to say it to someone and I don't have anyone at the moment who specifically cares about this shit. So instead of saying it to someone, I'm going to say it to everyone. It was a fucking good time. I've talked about this before with a couple different things, including Taylor Swift. Be careful, white girls, because the backlash is a coming. Marvel is continuing to get a lot of shit for their movies not being as cohesive as some of the nerds think they should be. And for me, it's getting annoying. I hate when people take joy in tearing shit down, which is what they do when these same people lift that shit too high. It's so much easier to destroy things than to create them. And it's such a bummer that all of us as fans have spent so much time loving and adoring those movies and we let them take us away to a different place and forget about all the shit that we have to deal with. But now the joy that we have isn't watching the movies, it's tearing them down. I hate that shit. I'm bummed that the Marvels didn't make a lot of money, but that isn't the end of the world. There's definitely still a bigger picture that the whole Marvel thing is working towards and I think it's going to be awesome. I also think that Marvel as a group of movies needs to find the chase and cut to it. But that doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying the ride. I've said this before, the movies are just like the comics. Not all comic book storylines are zingers. Sometimes it's filler that is there to entertain you to get you to the next big story. And that's just fine. Did the movie have a villain more bland than gas station macaroni salad? Yes, it did. But so did the second Iron Man, the second Guardians of the Galaxy, and oh my god, the second Thor movie. All three of those movies didn't necessarily need to be made either, but they were seen as part of the golden age of those movies, and they had a similar quality to this one. I just can't wait until, and it's already starting to happen, Marvel comic book movies go back to being the underdogs in the movie theater, and then nerds will defend them again. Easily the best part of the movie was Iman Vellani, who played Miss Marvel. She was hysterical and charming and awesome and stole 
every scene she was in. I hope they put her in a pant load of movies coming up because she deserves nothing less. Also, go watch Miss Marvel on Disney Plus if you haven't because she was fucking great in that too. Quick gold star answers from last week's question of how you define being rich. I think 90% of the answers I got were the same, which hasn't happened since the whole Batman debacle earlier this year, was everyone would define being rich as having all their bills on auto pay, which you guys are correct, all of you, that would be the dream. I know we aren't supposed to measure our own personal journey and success up against our perception of where we think we should be in our lives, but I really feel like I'm too old to still be looking at my bank account and thinking to myself, please just let this fucking bill go through. So I'm right there with you guys. And then for song of the week, sticking with the theme of songs that make me happy this month, we're going to go with some old school thrash. I have a two minute fucking banger of a song that puts me in a good mood every time I hear it. I would call this one of my ultimate drunk songs. It's fucked up, inappropriate, macabre, and perfect to sing along to. It is also the debut of the legendary Misfits on the Atomic Skull podcast songs that we playlist on Spotify. And you guys, even if you don't usually love stuff like that, go check out this week's song of the week, which is easily my favorite Misfits song, last caress even if you are stone cold sober somehow by the time the song ends and i'm not shitting you the motherfucker's two minutes long by the time the song ends somehow you will feel drunk so for anyone out there who needs a workaround to being sober but still wants to feel drunk this song might be the secret for you go check it out you guys it is going to literally be one of my top five songs on this year's Spotify thing. I'm almost positive. And that's the breaks for this week, you crazies. I hope that everyone has a fantastic holiday and your long weekend is everything you want it to be. Thanksgiving for me growing up was all about bad sweaters, Cowboys football, and my grandmother's famous burnt sweet potatoes. Whatever it is you guys do, as long as it takes you back to someplace great or creates new memories that make you want to see tomorrow, I'm 100% for it. My best to your families and to your friends and, of course, to you guys for listening to this dumpster fire week after week. My beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, and I tend to be relatively busy on Thanksgiving weekend. So our tradition is to have our own Thanksgiving where we stuff our faces in the dark and then die a few days after everyone else. So I may be fashionably late to the party, but I'm going to be right there with you guys overdosing on leftovers for an entire fucking week. You can call me Mr. Turkey Sandwich. (laughs) I actually think that might be the name of the episode. I'm getting business cards with that on it. Nice job coming in clutch right at the bottom of the night that that kid's in. I will see you guys again soon. Apologies to my mother-in-law. And how are you doing? 